Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash deathdyingpod. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is also brought to you by BarkBox.com. Get one free extra month of BarkBox at getbarkbox.com slash deathdyingpod. You're listening to the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Just a quick shout out to Daniel Smith for supporting the show on Patreon. It means a lot. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash death dying on other things. Any little bit helps. Now on to the show. Before we get to the episode this week, I just wanted to tell a quick story about my childhood. Again. I used to lay in bed and look at, say, a baseball cap on a hook across the room. I'd focus very intently on it for a very long time and try to make it move. For a long while, I'd convinced myself if I just concentrated harder on the thing, it would have to move. Just have to. I don't know how I'd convinced myself of this, but in my mind it was a simple fact. The brain and the mind within it was so powerful, I thought. It had to have some latent powers. Anyway, it makes me laugh when I think about it now, and it doesn't really have anything to do with today's story. But I wanted to share. This month, on Death, Dying, and Other Things, a story about a love spell gone wrong. In heartache, a pair of friends try to cast a love spell with disastrous results. Death and dying. The thresholds between this world and the next. The boundary between light and dark. The barrier between worlds. And that's where we're going. We are going into the shadows to bring you stories of horror and heartbreak. From the Modern Horrors Podcast Network, this is Death, Dying, and Other Things. I'm Justin Buskey. Stay with us. against the floor. She sat on the couch, upturned the can in her hand, and finished her third beer. He was late. He was usually late, which Emma didn't particularly like. But Jay's positive attributes far outweighed his penchant for being late, and kept the two of them friends for nearly a decade. Emma's every breath became a sigh, the result of the three beers and a mountain of anxiety. She shoved the only fingernail, not yet mauled by her teeth, into her mouth and gnashed. On the coffee table in front of her, Emma stared down at a dusty old book bound in leather. 
She watched it intently while she chewed her left pinky nail down to the nub, half expecting it to grow legs and scurry out of the window into the night. It was a hard thing to procure, the book. A friend of a friend of a friend knew the owner, and it took weeks of negotiating back and forth through three messengers, an infernal game of telephone. It supposedly came from New England, born deep in the woods long ago, but it was a story Emma only half believed. It wasn't until the owner of the book got their assurances that the two people who were to be targeted, beyond a shadow of a doubt, belonged together. For herself, Emma knew this to be true. She had been infatuated with Sarah for as long as Sarah worked with her at the firm, and Sarah, Emma was certain, had been sending Emma signals for months. Emma's mind drifted to a scene two weeks ago, in the conference room, where Emma and Sarah were left after a long meeting, and Sarah, as Emma interpreted it, brushed against her on purpose, turned, and feigned an apology while standing much too close. Then her mind wandered to another event, a favorite of Emma's fantasies, the time their hands brushed while sitting next to each other at the company happy hour. Emma might have been able to explain away one occurrence, but then it happened again, and again, and again. A voice, nothing more than a whisper, brought Emma back to her living room. She looked back down at the book and heard the voice again, soft and sweet, but speaking a language she couldn't understand. She leaned forward, walked her fingers across the coffee table, and grasped the book in her hand. She cradled it in her lap, slid her fingers over the leather, caressing it as though it were a lover, and then slid a finger inside, separating the pages. She flipped through the book's yellowed pages with great care. Leaf after leaf of arcane scrawling. Lists, diagrams, instructions. She stopped on a marked page and read it fully for the eleventh time. That honeyed voice tickled her ear once more, but then was interrupted by a knock at the door. Jay stood on the other side as Emma opened the door. Did you get everything? Emma asked. He lifted his arms to indicate the several canvas bags in his hands. Then you've got the book? Jay asked. Yeah, Emma said. Jay pushed past Emma and marched to the kitchen, where he spilled the bags onto the counter and unloaded them. Herbs a bundle of sage, a small Ziploc bag containing five ladybugs, a peacock's feather, a dove's skull. I've got the cream in the fridge, Emma said. And the hair? Jay asked. Emma reached into her pocket and pulled out a small lock of brown hair tied with a red ribbon. 
Jay laughed and shook his head. How'd you get it? he asked. Paid a co-worker fifty bucks to distract her while I clipped it, she said. Good lord, he said. Emma walked over to her cabinet and retrieved a silver platter. She placed all of the gathered materials onto it. Jay grabbed a beer out of the fridge. You ready? Emma asked. I need a minute, Jay said while he cracked his beer. Okay, she said. I'm going to get everything set up. Jay leaned back on the counter. Emma picked up the tray and walked into the living room, where she started moving furniture around, clearing space. Jay gulped his beer and watched her. The couch and coffee table had been pushed against the wall. On the floor, Emma had unfurled a large square of black fabric, painted with many signs and sigils and symbols. Off to the side rested the silver platter with its laundry list of regents. Nearby, a stone mortar and pestle, a pewter cauldron, three red candles and candlesticks, a small pitcher of cream, and a thin white knife had been gathered as well. Emma and Jay settled in on opposite sides of the fabric. Emma caressed the book and turned it to the marked page. Whispers escaped, as if released from the pages by Emma's paging through. They rose and danced into the air and tickled Emma's ear. I can't believe she changed her mind and gave you the book. How'd you convince her? Jay asked. I had to promise the two people we were going to do this to belong together, Emma said. And if they don't, Jay asked. Then it could go terribly wrong, Emma said. What did you tell her? Jay asked. That there's no doubt in my mind that her and I belong together, Emma said. Jay nodded and Emma placed the candlesticks in several specific places around the constellation of white symbols on the fabric in front of her. Then she lit them and threw the herbs and ladybugs into the mortar and pestle and handed it to Jay. Grind this while I... She trailed off and ran her finger down the page of the book. Purify the area. Jay began to drag the heavy pieces of stone together, pulverizing the herbs and the insects into a fine powder. Emma lit the bundle of sage on one of the candles and pushed herself to her feet. This was the moment Jay was waiting for. He waited until Emma was several paces away, waving the sage in a corner with her back turned before making his move. He snatched the lock of hair and white knife off of the silver platter, untied the red ribbon from the hair, shoved it into his pocket, grabbed a length of his own hair and sliced it off, and then tied it with the same ribbon before returning both to the platter. Emma finished spreading the sage and returned to her spot opposite of Jay, leaned over and ran her finger down the page. Done? Emma asked. Jay looked inside the stone bowl. 
ingredients pulverized. He nodded. Okay, give it here, Emma said. He handed the bowl back to Emma, who put it on the black fabric toward the center. Next to that, she placed the cauldron and poured the pitcher of cream into it. Finally, she picked up the white knife and sliced off a lock of her own hair. This is the part I need you for, Emma said. Emma picked up the book and it whispered a protest to her before she handed it over to Jay. She pointed to a spot about halfway down the page. Right there, Emma said. While he read over the rest of the ritual, she removed one of the candles from its candlesticks and lit the herbs in the mortar and pestle. Once we start this, we can't stop, Jay said. I know, Emma said. Okay, let me see your finger, Jay said. She held out her arm. Jay picked up the white knife, grabbed Emma's hand, and pricked her thumb with the tip of the blade. A drop of blood fell into the cauldron of cream, cradled by the white like a single red raindrop. Emma shoved her thumb into her mouth to suck off the residual blood. Jay picked up the peacock feather and fanned the flames in the stone bowl, then grabbed both locks of hair, tied them together with some cheap twine, and slid them into the beak of the dove's skull. He took a deep, ragged breath. All right, now repeat exactly what I say, Jay said. Emma nodded. Jay began to recite from the book, and Emma repeated. Tied with twine, bound with blood and oil, whispers wormed into Emma's ears once again. Her eyes unfocused for a moment as they brushed up against her eardrum. Jay's voice was smothered by something oppressive in the air. His next words barely made it to Emma's ears. These scents mingling with my toil. A percussive sound built in the walls, distracting Emma. She wavered like a drunk getting lost in the conversation. Emma, are you okay? Jay asked. Emma looked down at one of the candles. Its flame changed from yellow to green in front of her eyes. She looked up at Jay and nodded. Yeah, 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 keep going, she said. Jay collected the white knife with the tips of his fingers and gently hit the lip of the cauldron. A ring called out through the room. The chiming metal burrowed into Emma's ear. The cream and drop of blood vibrated together in the bowl before the droplet slipped under the surface. Emma's eyes rolled and her eyelids fluttered. The metallic ringing turned to whispers in her head. Her vision blurred. Behind Jay, just past the candlelight, she thought she saw a figure crawling among the shadows. Skinny, rabid, like an animal. Your heart, Jay started again, but Emma was lost, struggling against a sea of fog. Jay, something's wrong, Emma said, unfocused eyes fixed on the shadow stalking behind Jay. 
Your heart, he repeated. You have to say it. Your heart, Emma squeaked. Here is this flame, Jay continued, but it was no use. Emma could hardly focus. She shook her head, blinked, tried to bring herself around, but all she could see was a smear of darkness and all she could hear was ringing, pounding, and whispering. Emma, you have to say the words, Jay said, getting desperate. I don't feel good, Emma said. Her skin had lost most of its color. Sweat beaded on her forehead. Say it, Jay said, pleading with her. There's something, she said as she pressed on her chest right above her heart and struggled against herself, desperate to draw air into her lungs. It feels like my chest is on fire, she said. You have to say it, Jay said. Emma sucked in air like a fish out of water and stared wide-eyed at the shadow behind Jay, trying to bring it into focus. There's someone here, Emma croaked. Emma, Jay said. Jay, please, Emma whispered. She clawed at her chest. She managed only the most shallow of breaths. Pure as this flame, Jay repeated. Pure as this flame, Emma whispered. Will never leave me again, Jay said. Tears streamed down Emma's cheeks. She swayed on the spot, tried to breathe, drifted in and out of consciousness. The pounding in the walls was now no more than a low thumping while her vision tunneled. The whispers ripped through Emma like razors. Emma, say it, Jay hissed. Say the fucking words. The room fell silent. Emma couldn't tell if the sounds had stopped or if she had gone deaf. Her labored breathing turned to a raspy gasp. The figure behind Jay retreated, disappearing from her sight. Will never leave me again, Emma repeated. No sooner had she finished the words than a thick black liquid propelled up her throat and out of her mouth, down her chin, onto the front of her shirt. It scalded her throat. She choked and coughed. Her vision went dark. Jay, Emma gasped. Jay, help. She retched again, vomiting more, and collapsed onto the floor. Jay trembled wide-eyed at this turn of events. Emma, he whimpered. She laid on the floor, lifeless and twisted. No movement, no breathing. Silence. Stillness. Emma, are you okay? Jay asked. And then Emma's body went rigid. She arched her back, roared in pain, convulsed. She pulled her lips back and bared her teeth. Black clung to the white. Her eyes locked on Jay's. She bellowed like a trapped animal, scared, in pain, and angry. Then she went limp once again. 
A few stray tears rolled down Jay's cheeks. He inched forward, crawled across the floor past the site of the ritual, and toward his lifeless friend. He reached a single quivering hand toward Emma. He touched her shoulder and rolled her onto her back. He brushed her hair, now matted with sweat and tears and black goo, out of her face. She coughed. Black sludge flew into the air. Gray foam poured out of her mouth and rolled down her cheeks. Oh my God, Jay said. He jumped up and rushed into the kitchen to find his cell phone in his canvas bag and dialed 911. 911, what's your emergency? The operator on the other end of the line asked. My friend, she's collapsed and all of this stuff is coming out of her mouth, Jay said. Okay, I need the address and to know if she's breathing. Do you know if she's taken anything tonight? The operator asked. Behind Jay, back in the living room, Emma's limped body floated up off the floor and into the air, where it hovered a moment before it rose the rest of the distance to the ceiling. The address is... Shit, what's her address? 291 Canary, Jay trailed off. Is she breathing? The operator repeated their question. 291 Canary... No, 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 291 Sparrow Lane, Jay said. Sir, it's very important for you to check to see if she's breathing, the operator said. Okay, Jay said. Jay rushed back to the living room, where he quickly discovered Emma's body was no longer where he left it. Sir, sir, are you there? The operator asked. She's... he trailed off. He dropped the phone from his ear and hung up. Emma, Jay said. Past where they stacked the furniture, Emma stood facing the far wall, vibrating intensely. Candles, still on the floor, flickered. Shadows danced across the walls. Are you... He stepped forward, transparent in his trepidation. Tears streamed down his cheeks. He choked the sobs down as best he could. Emma remained fixed to the wall, shaking. Emma... I'm sorry, Jay said. He reached out his hand and placed it on her shoulder. She wheeled around at the touch, her face only a foot from his. Her eyes, her eyes were black. Jay's face flashed from ugly sob to ugly gasp. He tried to scream, but only a soft gurgling bubbled up from his throat. He looked down at his stomach and saw why. Emma had buried the white knife into his guts, just below his ribcage. She wrenched the handle of the knife, simultaneously twisting the blade up into his lungs and pulling him in close to her. Jay coughed, and deep red blood dribbled from his lips. Emma smirked and brushed her lips against his giving him the softest peck of a kiss. Then she released her grip on the knife and Jay collapsed to the floor. Emma took a long, 
deep breath and laughed. This episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things was produced and edited by me, Justin Buskey. The story, Heartache, was written by me, too. You can follow me on Twitter, at Justin Buskey. Intro and outro music is by the prolific Eric Warnke. Check him out on SoundCloud. Special thanks to Scented Candles and Pitchers of Cream. Death, Dying, and Other Things is a member of the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Check out all the other shows. They're great. New episodes the second Thursday of every month. This has been Death, Dying, and Other Things, and I've been your host, Justin Vusky. Stay out of the shadows.